0: Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Uh, My name is Matthew. On behalf of all of us, for those of you visiting with us this morning, welcome. We're glad that you could be with us today, Uh, especially for those of you joining us online or logging in after the fact, welcome. Uh, It's good to be together today. Um, As we are getting started this morning, I want to highlight for you just one announcement about an upcoming event for us. Um, Believe it or not, we are on our way toward Easter already, and the way we do that as Christians is by remembering and practicing Lent. And Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which is just around the corner. And so we'd invite you to join us. This year we're going to be hosting an Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m. on March 2nd. And we'll be worshiping with uh, brothers and sisters from Fairlawn and hopefully from uh, maybe some other churches in the area as well. So please do join us 7 p.m. March 2nd for that. Uh, And today, in addition to worship, one of the things that we have been doing together in the last little while is trying to deepen our understanding of faith together through some simple practices. And so after worship together, we will take a break for fellowship. And Sadie has brought donuts today. So that's a good thing. But after a couple of minutes together to fellowship, we'd invite you to join us either for our our Kids Street Age or Echo Age kids to learn some catechism together, um, or for the middle school, high school, and adults to join us for a sermon discussion. One of the reasons that we do that together uh, is because faith is something that we have to practice. It is something we take ownership of. Of and part of the way we do that is in community because sometimes faith is difficult. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, and in John chapter 6, there is perhaps the most realistic assessment of what it means to follow Jesus. There is when Peter says, Where else could we go? which is not a rousing supportive statement if you think about it. Where else could we go? and perhaps today. If you feel as though there is nowhere else to be, you're in just the right place. Let's worship together.
1: Let us worship Jesus. He is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. Let us confess and believe in our hearts Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead.
2: Everyone that calls on the, in the name of the Lord will be saved.
1: Let us call upon our God and sing praises in spirit and truth. Amen.
2: That's where mighty river flowing from your heart filling every part of
3: So, God, in your loving kindness, cleanse us from our sin. We confess, we confess our, our sin and the sin, sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are divi- people divided against ourselves. Create
1: in us a clean, a clean heart, heart O God, and a renew a right spirit within us.
3: The fears that we have set neighbor against neighbor, nation against nation.
1: Lord, Lord, have have mercy upon us.
3: Please take some time in silent confession.
1: Hear this good news, friends. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. The riches of God's grace have been poured out upon us. In Jesus, we will have all we need to truly live. For Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. Let's continue in song. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Of Christ be with you. you. Friends, let's greet each other now as we begin our service.
4: Kids Street kids, can you all come forward? Welcome. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving
2: up. Unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with
4: you. In all shall you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Good
5: morning. Good, morning. Good morning. My name is Chuck McGrath. I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street today, and uh, my honor to lead us in uh, congregational prayer. God helps us to pray, and the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, according to the will of God. And so, I lean on that this morning, because I'm a little nervous, to be honest, so... Hopefully I can make it through without cracking too much. But uh, Let us join in prayer, offering our praise and thanksgiving and intercession to God. Heavenly Father, we gather here this morning to worship you. Gracious God ever-present, you lead us faithfully. You promise always to be with us. You govern this world in power and in love. May the words of our mouths And the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Uh, Today we think of the world around us. We ask that you soften the hearts of those who wish to make war in this world. We pray, pray for our government and our world leaders, those that serve in the military. Show them your ways of peace and justice, Lord. We think of Ukraine this morning and all the troubles that they're going through. We think about COVID and we see the numbers dropping. We thank you for that, but still it affects our lives and our thinking, even though the, pre, the uh, queen seems to have gotten it today. Thank, we are thankful for Pastor Howard is getting stronger after having his continuing battle with uh, COVID also. We think of the people who are hungry today, especially now as prices seem to be raising daily. Be with those that are working in social services and housing in our local government. We pray for your church throughout the world. For those who are persecuted for spreading your word, please be with our missionaries and our missionary services. Use them to bring your light into the world. We thank you for our volunteers, our teachers, our musicians here at Pleasant Street Church and for others who serve. Thank you for their faithful service. Please bless our pastor, our elders, our deacons as they serve. We ask that you be with Pastor Annika as we go through this changing time. We pray for her family and for a time of understanding. We pray for our youth we pray for our youth leaders. We pray for those with special needs, for those who could not be here today for other reasons. We pray for those who suffer with physical illnesses, for those that care for them. We especially are thankful for Hank E. and his recovery, and Leanne L. And we think this morning on Wheaton, who had a high temperature and had to go to the hospital this week. We, we give you great praise that he is doing better today. For those who are elderly and affirmed, for those who care for them, we think. We pray for those that are suffering from addictions, for those who support them. For those who mourn the death of loved ones and for those who minister to them. Those who are lonely and those who support them. We think of those needs that cannot be spoken. And for those that are facing temptations, for those who are in divorces and separations, we think of those people this morning. And those who care for elderly and needy parents, we ask a blessing on the sermon this morning. Open our eyes that we may hear and be blessed by the words of the minister. For your love and goodness, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our
4: prayer. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to read the scripture for us today. And this is from the book of John, chapter 6. Just to set the stage a little bit, uh, if you were to back up a little in John, you would see that this happens just after Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then walks on water. So this is a day or so following that, and there's a lot of people following Jesus at this point. So we come to John 32. I'm going to read up through 52. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, The Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me down draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then continuing a few verses later with John 60 through 69. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. And yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Word of God.
0: As we continue to walk through the Gospel of John together, would you join me in a prayer? Lord, from many different places we have come here together this morning. We recognize that we have brought with us many different reasons for coming. We've come because we're hungry. Because we aren't sure where else to go. Because we feel scared or alone. We recognize that we have come carrying many aches. We trust that you see all of the mixed motives that we bring with us. We ask that you would be the one who can see us so deeply that you understand our needs better than we do and can find ways to speak to them and to meet them that open us to new life with you. Amen. Sometimes we forget how weird Christianity is. Sometimes we forget that we follow a man who made some very strange and difficult claims. Like calling himself a giant loaf of bread sent straight from heaven. Like telling us that the way to know God and to have the kind of life that can outlast death comes by chewing on his flesh and blood. These words can be hard to digest. Many of Jesus' disciples find that to be true today. This is a hard teaching, they say. Who can accept it? And as was mentioned a moment ago, we are picking up the story of John chapter 6 right in the middle. But John 6, the entire passage, is one giant long story about bread. And it begins because Jesus feeds a crowd with literal bread. He literally fills up their bellies with food. He's up on a mountainside and a great crowd follows him out there into the wilderness. They have nothing to eat. He feeds 5,000 men, not even to mention the women and the children, and he does it with only five little barley loaves and two fish. And everyone eats until they're full. We take that for granted because one burrito from Chipotle will do that. But what we forget is that for most of these people, it may have been a long time since they ever ate and were full. It may have never been the case that they had seen leftovers before, and John tells us that there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. There is a lot of bread in this story. What could be hard about bread? Rocket science is hard. Sudoku is hard. Taxes are hard, but bread? What could be hard about bread? You know, we have four different gospels in your Bible. All four of them have the same subject. They're about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them are about Jesus. And yet each Gospel includes some things that others don't. They nuance them in different ways. Each gospel includes different miracles. But there is one miracle, and only one, that all four gospels have. It's this one. Each gospel, all of them, include this time that Jesus fed 5,000 people and there were leftovers in the fridge. And when they do, each one wants to emphasize or draw out things that are slightly different in the feeding. And John, not surprisingly, wants to show us that this is a sign. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children, and there are leftovers. And John says, this is a sign. This points to something else. The bread is a sign Well, if we're going to know what the sign means, we're going to have to understand another story about another time, even further in the past, when God's people were out by a mountain walking in circles, following God and not sure where their next meal was coming from. If we're going to understand this story, we have to go back to the First Testament and the original ancestors in the Exodus. You see, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they landed not in the Promised Land, but in the desert. And they had no direction other than the ones that God would give. They had no water other than the water that God would give. They had no food other than the food that God would give. The wilderness is is a spiritual place, not just a physical one. The wilderness is a place where you worry about your next meal. It's a place where you worry about the future and about directions, where you worry about enemies. And so the people looked to Moses. Moses was leading them. They followed Moses. But Moses had some flaws. He could be slow. He could be hard to understand. Sometimes he went away on a mountain for a long time. The wilderness is a place where people are anxious about their next meal and where they worry about the future and where they feel exposed. They don't know where home is or how they're going to find it on their own, and so they have to depend on their leader, and they think it's Moses. And through Moses, God meets those needs. Through Moses, God shows them where to find water and and how to find bread. And each morning, the bread is there, but it's just enough for one day. And then they have to trust that when they go to bed that night, the next morning, it will be there again. They don't know for sure. And this crowd in John chapter 6 is looking for a better Moses. They are looking for someone who can be a provider, who can be a leader for them, because they know that even a couple of thousand years since Israel walked through Egypt, not much has changed for them. They're still in a kind of wilderness. There's still people wondering where their next meal is coming from. They're still looking for direction about what to do next. And so they chase Jesus all around the Sea of Galilee because they think that they have found their guy. Surely this guy is the prophet we were expecting, they say in the beginning of John chapter 6. Let's convince him to be king. But Jesus sees that they have misunderstood the bread. What could be so hard about bread? You're not looking for me because you want a king, Jesus says, but because you're looking for a bakery. And we can see in this long and strange conversation what the sign is pointing to, even from here, even if they can't. Jesus is trying in this passage over and over again to tell them that it's not about full bellies, but a full soul. He gave them bread, and they want more bread, but Jesus Jesus is trying to tell them that actually what God wants to give them is not bread, little b, but bread, capital B. And he offers himself to them as the main course of spiritually nourishing food. He is bread that doesn't go stale or spoil. He is bread that can keep you from going stale or spoiling. Augustine writes, Jesus fills our souls with his word, whose body he is just satisfied with bread. Sir, they say, give us this bread always. It's about bread. John 6 is about bread. And as anyone who's ever been to Olive Garden can tell you, bread can be very filling. Jesus is the bread of life who fills our souls full. And John is is pointing in characteristic fashion with both pointer fingers right at Jesus in this story. The way that he's telling it over and over again, it's about Jesus. It's not about the bread. It's about the bread. Where do we go to find the living bread? It's Jesus. What do we have to do to get it? Well, you believe that Jesus has already done it. The real bread is here. He is saying, I am the bread, and we get it. He is the food for what we really need. He feeds us with the good news of eternal life. With John, we say, Jesus is real bread. But with the disciples, we say, sometimes this is a hard teaching. Sometimes this is a hard teaching. It's hard because Jesus does not stand still. There is so much movement in this story. Jesus is like a veritable food truck. The crowds, they try to make him king, the the bread king. They would like to establish him. You put a king on a throne and the king stays there. They want to put him somewhere that they can predict, and who wouldn't? Who doesn't want a Chipotle next door? But Jesus slips away. And then later, the disciples go alone ahead of him in a boat in the dead of night, and then the crowds can't find him, and sometimes he's off on a mountain by himself. Jesus is the bread, but he's mobile. And you can be looking for him, looking hard, looking everywhere, chasing him around the lake shore, but in the end, it must be Jesus who finds you. He is the bread. He is the bread of life, but this is a hard teaching because we are not always sure where to find him. With John, we say he is the real bread, but with the disciples, we say that sometimes this is a hard teaching because he can be very hard to understand. Sometimes it seems like he's speaking out of two sides of his mouth. In the story, he's talking about bread, but he's not actually producing anything that they can see or touch or taste or feel or eat. He's talking about food that does not spoil, but they don't see anything. He's talking about death and resurrection. And then he's talking about how he reveals the Father, and the Father reveals him. And this is a hard teaching, because it's a lot of theology, and and we're hungry. And Maslow, Abraham Maslow, the famous psychologist, he was right. We have a hierarchy of needs. Some of them feel more pressing than others. And when our bellies are empty and our heart is full of fear, it is hard to listen to a theology lesson. Jesus is the bread of life, but this is a hard teaching because we get hungry and because we're worried about the kids. Of course, Jesus is the answer, but there are house payments and there are health problems. Pastor, I know a good friend. About six weeks ago, his life turned upside down. Eighteen years, he's been at a church, and now it seems like things are coming apart. And meanwhile, his family is walking through several very severe health crises all at the same time. This is a man who is a disciple whom I respect. He knows that Jesus is the bread of life. He knows what it's like to find manna in the wilderness, And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, why is it hard? And you know what he says to me? He says, church is hard. Community is very hard. Jesus is the bread. He's the answer. The real bread is here, but the disciples know that this is a hard teaching. And they're right. And part of what makes it hard is that we kind of imagined that it wouldn't be once the bread was here. Now that God's real bread has come, maybe we thought that we'd never feel empty again. Now that God's abundance of bread is here, and it is really here, maybe we thought we'd never lose, never wander, never feel lost again. Maybe we thought that since the bread had come down from heaven and it was here, and it really is here, that surely we'd be able to recognize it. Jesus' bread from heaven, maybe we imagined that that would mean that it came in a bread sleeve with the label Wonder Bread on it. Jesus says to the crowd there, I am God's cosmic miracle come down from heaven. I am standing right in front of you, and you still don't see it. And we understand how that can be. This is a hard teaching. Sometimes Jesus does not seem heaven-sent but like he's just a guy from Nazareth who's putting on airs. The world is full of food, and yet we worry about bread. Did you ever notice that? John 6 is all about bread. Jesus is the bread, and we know what is hard about that, because Jesus, the real bread, is is still manna. And manna means desert. And that means that this is a sign that we are still in the wilderness. All these many thousands of years later, we, we have more restaurants, we have faster boats, we have better jackets for the weather, and yet our situation is still mostly the same. We worry about food and where we're going next and about finding a home and then paying the bills to keep it. We worry about the health of our children and our aging parents, and this is a hard teaching. Why? Because we can predict the weather, but not where the manna is going to fall. We can search the world with the internet or get on an airplane and travel around it, but no matter how far we travel or how much we search out there or in our own soul, it will always be God who must find us, who must feed us, who must lead us. And He does that one step at a time. That is how God teaches Did you notice that in verse 32, right where we picked it up, the story this morning, that, that Jesus corrects their grammar? In verse 31, they say to Jesus, uh, in the past, our ancestors ate in the wilderness, bread from heaven. It's all past tense. Like, this is a story that used to happen a long time ago, once upon a time. In verse 32, Jesus says, it wasn't Moses who gave bread from heaven in the past. It is God who gives true bread. This is all happening in the present. Providing food for God's people isn't something that Moses did one time a long time ago in the past in the wilderness. It is something that God is doing right now in the present in the wilderness. Jesus is saying it wasn't about Moses leading or giving bread, it is and always has been and will be about God, God who gives bread in the present, in the wilderness, which is where we are. And John is pointing both fingers at Jesus, but Jesus is pointing to his Father. Jesus says it's not about Moses, it is about the Father, and the Father has sent me, and I do what the Father wants. And what the Father wants is for everyone to look at me. For in me you see the Father. Friends, what sustains us in the wilderness of this world? Is it a movement? Is it miracles? Is it charisma? Is it flash? Is it power? No. It is the Father. It is God the Father who is able to give what we need. And it is the Father that's given us Jesus who is the bread. And what makes him nourishing is that he is always pointing us to the Father whom we can trust. Jesus shows us that God the Father can be trusted in the desert. And sometimes he is hard to follow. But if you have met him, if you have been with him, you know that hard as it sometimes is, there really isn't any other option out there. And Jesus asked the twelve, you don't want to go too, do you? After they look at each other for a moment, as I imagine it, Peter says, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We trust you because we have seen that you heal the blind who can't see where they're going. We trust you because we've seen you give a lot of bread to very hungry people We trust you because we've seen you turn a party that was falling apart, revived with more wine. We've seen that you restored a sick child to his anxious father when he had no other options. You are the Holy One of God. Where else could we go? And yet it's not a resounding endorsement for Jesus, is it? They don't say, no, we don't want to leave. They say, where else would we go? Maybe they also wish that Jesus wasn't so hard to follow or understand. It's not the most confident response, but it is faith. It is how you respond when God is your teacher. It is how you respond when you have been given the gift of seeing that no matter how hard Jesus is and His words can seem, you're never better off leaving them behind. Because he is promising nothing short of life itself. Not a quality of life, but an actual life. Life that can outlast death. Life as real as flesh and blood. As real as being raised from the dead on the last day. Which comes to us only because he did the hard work. No, not hard. Excruciating work for us. Jesus is not the meal we thought we'd get from God, but as God's living bread, he is a meal that stays with you in the wilderness and in all that is hard about this world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, like the crowds before us, like the disciples before us, we do not realize that when we come to you and see you doing good things, we are still in need of understanding what they mean. Lord, sometimes following you can be very hard. And so we ask Oh Christ, that you would open our eyes again to see that you have done the hard work for us, and we ask that you would open our eyes to see how you are bred in our midst right now, that we might have strength for the next step in the journey. In your name, amen. Could I have all our Echo Age students come up? People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. God speaks and we respond. This is the rhythm of our life together. And one of the ways that we respond is by singing. Another way that we do is by offering up some of what God has entrusted to us for the work of this church. We give back to God some of uh, the abundance that he's given to us for our offering. We are not giving by passing baskets right now, but there are a couple ways that you can, either by dropping checks off in the box in the front during the week or by giving online. Having done so, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in your presence, we hear again your promise that we have everything that we need. And yet, it can look as though that is hard to believe and hard to see. And so, O God, in this small act of giving back some of what you have entrusted to us, we ask that in doing so, you would open our eyes more to see the many kinds of blessings and abundances that you have given to us so that in sharing, we might find that there's more than enough. In your name, amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in soul? Let's sing together. Pray with me. Grant us, Lord God, the vision of your kingdom, forgiveness, and new life, so that we may share your vision, proclaim your love, and change this world in the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, you go blessed. Would you receive it? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom
3: people said. Have a blessed week.